MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. He was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. School of Humans. Hello, listeners. In today's bonus episode, I'm talking with one of my parents' friends from the counterculture, a psychedelic pioneer I call Far Out. So what are your last thoughts here on Far Out? Any last things you want to tell us about Far Out? Since we're going to tell this his story on this podcast. That's interesting. I, For me, I would say uh, Far Out was the epitome of the left-wing politico hippie who started out as a left-wing intellectual and ended up as a hippie super-duper pot-smoking guy who, in fact, uh, I mean, he was the epitome. He sold, like, ounces and nickel bags and that kind of stuff, so he really supplied it to the people. A ground-floor member of San Francisco's counterculture, Far Out was the manager of a world-famous San Francisco rock and roll band. And like many of the psychedelic pioneers, he's a nice Jewish boy. He's from Chicago and landed in San Francisco's North Beach in the early 60s, where he became friends with my mom. San Francisco's North Beach neighborhood was ground zero for the city's iconic beatniks and the alternative art, literary music, and comedy scene before it morphed into the famed counterculture and moved to the Haight-Ashbury neighborhood in the late 60s. Now, for his entire adult life, Far Out has been in love with my mom's best friend from her North Beach belly dancing days. And Far Out spent lots of time around my mom's best friend's communal table, a famous gathering spot for future famed musicians like the Anonymous Artists of America and the Quicksilver, poster artists like Stanley Mouse and Alton Kelly, plus actors, writers, and smugglers who gather to smoke doobies, schmooze, and eat Chinese food and hippie stew. And people always, like, just went to the table, rolled joints, and drank coffee. Rolled and smoked joints and drank coffee and just bullshitted. Like all day and all <laughs> evening, like all the time. It was like, it was, <laughs> it, it was like a coffee house, only it was somebody's house. Right. You know? 
Now, my mom's best friend's table is the same place where my dad met my mom in 1970 and where dad met Far Out. Oh, uh-huh. So that was a famous table by the time I got there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got there. Late. Yeah, late. Er. You got to the table late, Dad? Later. <laughs> yeah. Now, although Far Out primarily worked in rock and roll, he had one good story about pot smuggling through Mexico over the Rio Grande. I'm Rainbow Valentine. This is Disorganized Crime, Smuggler's Daughter. God, okay, I have just taken an, a trip through the city, San Francisco, to get to the Castro, which is an awesome neighborhood, and I'm going to ring the doorbell. Oh, here we go. Okay. I went to Far Out's apartment in San Francisco. Now in his 80s, Far Out has been a small-time pot dealer for over 60 years, and he might be one of the last remaining psychedelic pioneers still living in San Francisco proper, in the Castro. I'm holding it. Here we go. All right, we're going in. All right. Hi there. How are you? I call him far out because he says it all the time with complete earnestness and far out awe. He really means it. And since I say far out all the time, I mean, I, I probably say far out 102 times a day. I love that. Uh, so he made, he, now, he far out was never a true smuggler. He was a band manager with a pot-dealing side hustle. But... Being a true psychedelic pioneer, he did one smuggling trip, and he told me about it while sitting in his tiny apartment full of pot paraphernalia and iconic memorabilia from his life amongst San Francisco's music superstars. His one smuggling trip happened to be some of the best pot he'd ever smoked. It was the best, most spectacular Mexican pot I have ever run across in my life. It was literally... Technicolor. It was yellow, gold, green, red, blue. And I've been smoking pot since 57. So what do we have? We have 43, 62 years. So I consider my judgment pretty good. It was the best Mexican pot that I ever smoked in my life. Being in his 80s, Far Out is vague on details like who asked him to supervise the trip. But remember, business was all done amongst close friends. So it was probably another psychedelic pioneer also in rock and roll. They rented a house south of Mexico City and they were going ahead with a purchase and they needed somebody to supervise the whole operation. I flew down to Monterey, which is in northern Mexico. At the airport in Monterey, I rented a car. I rented a new Dodge, a 70 Dodge, and I started driving south. Now, the rented Dodge became a critical part of Far Out's illicit adventure about to unfold. 
and I drove all the way south, south of Mexico City. I drove hundreds of miles south, followed my nose. I arrived at the house. I entered the house. They took me to the back living room and the back room. And there in the back room, piled in a corner, was 250 pounds of the most beautiful Mexican pot. And they had already bought really thick, clear plastic vinyl. They bought sheets and sheets and sheets. So I decided what we're going to do is we're going to wrap these 250 pounds, one pound at a time. And then I had us separated into five piles of 50 pounds each, 50 bundles each. And we made five bundles. Each, there was 250 bundles. Then I made five bundles. Each bundle was 50 pounds. So it was wrapped over and over again with this vinyl because we were going to cross it on the river, on the Rio Grande. Now, the Rio Grande has been a popular smuggling route since 1848, when the Mexican-American War ended, ceding Texas to the U.S. and causing trade issues between the countries, leading to tariffs. Rio Grande borderland residents, seeking to avoid paying tax on goods, began smuggling over the Rio Grande, adopting smuggling routes previously used as escapeways by Texas slaves seeking freedom in Mexico, which abolished slavery in 1828. So the smuggling trip Far Out stepped into had a plan. Far Out would drive a wrapped cube of 250 pounds of pot 1,000 miles north through Mexico to the Rio Grande border. There, he would send it across the river, passing it off to the Texas smuggling crew waiting on the other side of the Rio Grande. Now, the Texas crew member was a physicist whose day job was to watch cloud chamber photographs of nuclear explosions. So Far Out and his crew set off north with a cube of 250 pounds of pot in Far Out's Dodge, which left first with the rest of the crew following 45 minutes behind. So we started out, I start out, I had a few joints with me so I could smoke on the way. I figure if I see a, a check station up ahead, I'll just toss the joint out the window and open the windows and air out the car. And um, I come to the first town, and there's a, a restaurant. Basically, it's a roof on poles. There's no walls to the restaurant. It's a roof on poles with a bunch of tables, and there's a few people sitting around. And I pull up my car and park it. And in the meantime, while I've been sitting in this restaurant... Some uh, local uh, drives his car, he's driving his car around the area, and he uh, slides into a creek. So a few of the people uh, hanging out at the restaurant get up. They go over to the other side of the road, and one of them has a machete with him. And he chops down a spindly, a thin tree, but he gets by chopping down the tree, he gets a long pole with leverage. And they all go together, and they use this long chopped-down tree and thing, and they pull, they jack this car and this truck out of the river, and everybody goes on with their life. <laughs> I thought, far out. Far out finished his tacos and moved on. 
smoking doobies another 250 miles up the road to a hotel, where he meets up with the rest of the crew. Now, the hotel was just some random nowhere spot, nothing special. But it turns out the hotel is significant for a progressive socialist idealist like Far Out. I'm, I'm walking downstairs to meet my friends and have breakfast. I'm on the second floor. And from the second floor down to the first floor into the big circle in the center is a sort of a, a bench stairway. There's a, a half a flight and then a little landing and then another flight going down. As I'm walking down the first flight towards the second flight going down, at that landing in the middle, as I'm walking down, I see a picture of Emiliano Zapata, an old hero of mine. Uh, he was, uh, he was, uh, he led the Mexican Revolution in the early uh, 20th century. But he's a hero of mine, and I'm walking down the stairs, I'm approaching that picture hanging on the wall of Zapata. It's a famous picture of Zapata. He's got his bullets, bandilleros, across his chest. He's got his uh, sombrero on his head, and he's holding his rifle. And as I'm walking down the stairs and I'm approaching that picture, a really strange, weird feeling comes over me. I can't figure out what's going on in my body and my head. And as I come to the bottom step and I'm standing in front of the picture, I realize the wall that the picture is hanging on is the wall against which Zapata is standing to have the picture taken. It turns out that the hotel that we were staying in used to be Zapata's headquarters. He used to ride his horse around that inner circle inside the brick wall. For me, this was even more of an adventure than the smuggle itself. You know, I stood where Zapata stood. This blew my mind. Even now, I get, I get the chills thinking about it. I'm Rainbow Valentine. This is Disorganized Crime. We'll be right back. spending the night at Zapata's former headquarters, there was another 500 miles to go. So Far Out started out in the Dodge, and the crew followed, 45 minutes behind, a secret caravan of Sensimia smugglers. I took off. Another restaurant, 250 miles. They showed up. I finished up, paid my check. I went another 250 miles. That evening, we wound up together at a motel in Metamoros. We're going to wait till midnight to do the smuggle on the Rio Grande. We drive in my rented car to the Rio Grande. We drive to the beach. Now we get to the beach and it's black as pitch. We're probably within 50 feet of the edge of the river. We've parked the car and we've dragged this big bundle to the edge of the river and the edge of this big bundle is sitting now on the it's it's half in the water and half on land. I positioned it so the land part is holding it in place. We've got a rope on the bundle. The other end of the rope is in the hands of our Texas physicist friend who's at the bottom of the river. He's got a walkie-talkie with him. And we've got a walkie-talkie with us. 
and we're in touch with him. He's under the water. We're on the Mexico side. He's entered the water from the Texas side. We're in touch by walkie-talkie. But also what we hear on our walkie-talkie is the, uh, the uh, Matamoros police radio. Oh, Jesus. They're all talking in Spanish, and almost every other word is marijuana. With every other word marijuana, we were sort of uptight. We couldn't, it was so black on the beach that we couldn't see anything, either in front of us or in all four directions. We couldn't see if anybody was approaching us. The cops could have been approaching us without their lights on. And, you know, what marijuana are they talking about? Are they talking about suspicion of us with marijuana or some other marijuana? Who knows? We're listening to them and we're talking to our friend under the water and uh, so on and so forth. And um, it took until about 3 a.m. This was almost three hours before everything was clear, before we got a go-ahead from him. When he gave us the go-ahead, I stood at that bundle and I pushed it slowly into the water. And at the speed that I pushed it into the water was the same speed that it started crossing the water. And we watched it crossing the water until we could no longer see it. And then we got an okay from him. He said, see you later. The crew piled in Far Out's rental car relieved to pass off the weed when the danger they'd been evading for 1,000 miles zeroed in on them. The Mexican Policia. We come to an intersection. It's hard to tell how the intersection was defined, but we could tell it was an intersection. We were not yet at the town, and there was a big... I can't tell what it was hanging from, but there was a traffic light in the middle of this intersection where nobody was there... And, you know, and it also it's three in the morning. So we come up to this intersection and the traffic light is red. So we stopped. And as we stopped, I notice about 30 feet in front of us, there's a cop. It's like a municipal cop standing there, which is, I can't understand this. It's three in the morning. He's a municipal cop. There's no civilization in this area at all. What's he doing here? And why is he here? And what's a cop doing here? And But the fact that, you know, I mean, we were foreigners and we were guilty. And so it was hard to think straight. And as I see this cop, I made the mistake of looking directly at him. And so our eyes met. This all happened real fast. And as our eyes met, he did this. Uh, he I said, beckoned to you. Yeah. Yes. So we had no choice but to approach him. And he took us into town, and he confiscated the car. I can't remember the details of this. They confiscated, this was all underhanded, this wasn't legitimate, but they're in charge. He confiscated the car, and he said we could come back tomorrow morning to the police station and pay our fine and retrieve our car. Now, Far Out doesn't know why the car was confiscated. Regardless, now they had to pay a fine. But, unfortunately, all their money was in the impounded car. Well, the problem was that while we were conducting our business, I put my wallet under the front seat of the car. What we had to do tomorrow morning was pay a 100 peso fine, but the 100 pesos was below the the front seat of my car. We went early that morning. 
we climbed over the cyclone fence of where the car was confined. Whoa. And I went into my car and I got the wallet from under the front feet and then we climbed out. And then we went to the police station and paid them 100 pesos and they went and released, the, released my car. Ugh, oh, disorganized crime for sure. Meanwhile, the Texas crew drove the cube of pot from the Rio Grande to the San Francisco Bay Area. Far Out drives back to Monterey, Mexico, and flies back to San Francisco to help them with the distribution. And we opened the pot, and yeah. one of the 50-pound bundles leaked and got wet. That's it? That was it. Incredible. Being a local pot dealer and music manager rather than a smuggler, Far Out had never done something this daring and dangerous, and he never would again. Far Out preferred dealing small amounts of pot to his regular customers in town over the intense adrenaline rush of smuggling large quantities over borders, supporting my theory that my parents are adrenaline junkies. My meeting with Far Out ended with him reminiscing about his great love for my mom's best friend, who recently passed away. Far Out expressed surprise that my dad, of all the people around mom's best friend's psychedelic table, had been the one to call him to share the sad news of mom's best friend passing. An icon of San Francisco's psychedelic history, Far Out has been a pot dealer for almost 60 years, along with his career managing global rock bands. I can't tell you who, but it's giant, like the biggest. <laughs> now, this reminds me, it's always good to have a side hustle in order to generate multiple income streams. And in this unprecedented pandemic full of immense, devastating job loss, cultivating side revenue hustles is a valuable idea. I'm not saying we should all become pot dealers, but maybe toilet paper dealers. I do hear there's a black market for it now, and I'm totally serious about this. There's a black market for toilet paper. We should all become toilet paper dealers. <laughs> Stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Don't touch your eyeballs. I'm Rainbow Valentine, and this is Disorganized Crime, Smuggler's Daughter. Disorganized Crime, Smuggler's Daughter, is written and recorded by me, Rainbow Valentine. Our producers are Gabby Watts and Taylor Church. Executive producers are Brandon Barr, Brian Lavin, Elsie Crowley, and me at School of Humans, and Connell Byrne and Charles Bryant at iHeartRadio. Our music is by Gabby Lala and Claire Campbell, with original theme by Mark Karen and me. You can follow us online at disorganizedcrimepodcast.com. Writing our own story, doing as we please. Tamil pies, sleeping princess of the redwood trees. She helps us keep it real. A handshake seals the deal. Grab the stash, seal the meal, and load up these old wheels. Rolling a doobie, young, rich, and groovy. Make it up as we roll along, rolling along, far out country road, rolling along, far out country road.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the black effect presents family therapy and i'm your host elliot connie Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 